has come, and uh, look forward to hear how God's going to speak through him. How about now? Oh, there it is. See? That button really makes a difference. I just want to take a moment and say thank you to Pastor Mike. Thank you for allowing me again and uh, the leadership team to come and preach uh, God's Word to all of you. Uh, What a blessing it is for me, and I pray that the Lord will speak uh, to you and to all of you as well as to me. Uh, What I've learned is that as I speak, um, God also teaches me to follow His will uh, as well as I trust that he's going to do the same for you. Uh, first thing I'd like you to do is take a moment and open up. Uh, I called these the program. You guys maybe call it the bulletin. You might find a place for sermon notes here. Um, th- this is kind of ironic how this works. But if you have a writing utensil and you usually take notes, uh, take this sheet. And I want you to cross right through the thing that says apprentice. Okay, Just cross right through that. And then right below it, it has Matthew 28, 8, uh, 16 through 20. Cross right through that thing. Um, because I actually, I sent a text to Pastor Mike, I think it was Thursday morning, maybe. I said, you know, I really think the Lord prompted me on this, and I'm going to change my sermon kind of last minute, which is not something I like to do because it's not easy to do last minute. But I really, I blamed it on the Lord. Uh, but in irony, this sermon is called Change Your Mind. Seriously, that's what it's called. I think you'll figure it out here in a little bit. So if you want to write that in, change your mind. If you like to follow along in God's Word, uh, I'm going to be opening, having you open up to Philippians chapter 4. So if you like to be prepared for that, later on in the sermon we're going to get there. So um, I have a question for you. As I recently changed my mind, uh, what was the last choice that you made that maybe you did change your mind? Maybe big, it might be small. I'm thinking probably small right now, okay? So maybe it was just today. You decided to do something different. You know, maybe you stopped by the store and you got yourself, you were wrestling because you're in line, ready to get whatever you're ready to get. And right there, they always tempt you with those candy bars, you know? And, and the wrestling, the choice you had to make was, am I going to get a Kit Kat or am I going to get a Snickers, Right? I got this choice to make, and usually it's pretty quick. Okay, I'm going to quick make a decision because i got to get going. Maybe your choice this morning was actually toast or eggs. I have a choice to make, and maybe I'll do them both, and I don't have to make the choice, right? We all have all kinds of choices to make. Those little choices are fairly easy. But, you know, if you think about it, you probably had some more difficult choices to make in your life as well. They're a little bit bigger, and they take a little bit more time, Maybe you're wrestled in the past with, should I find a different job or should I stay with the job I'm in? Maybe you've wrestled with how to care for one of your aging family members. Maybe your health is not going so well and you're thinking, should I go in and get treated or check this out or should I not? Maybe you're at the point of looking at retirement and saying, when am I going to retire? What is this going to look like in the end? Those are some big decisions that oftentimes, if you think about it, they took some time to really wrestle through before you made a decision. 
Now, there's one more choice of decisions that have to be made that I think are even oftentimes bigger than those big decisions we have to figure out. The most difficult choices oftentimes involve circumstances outside of your and my control. Maybe your deteriorating health, you don't really know what you're going to do. It came on as a surprise, and you don't know how that's going to work out. Again, loss of job. Maybe you're going to lose your home, and you're wondering, what is going on? This is so out of my control, I don't even know what to do. Maybe you're feeling forced into retirement, or you have been forced into retirement. Maybe you have kids or grandkids that are living unwisely circumstances in your life that are out of your control that you wish you could make a choice and choose the right thing, but it's just out of your control. Like I said, easy choices produce very little stress. You don't lay awake wondering if I'm going to grab the one Kit Kat or a Snickers, right? But the more difficult the choice, the higher the stress. So I ask, What was the most recent high-stress circumstance that caused you to lay awake at night in a pool of sweat? I think most of you probably have something rolling through your mind. Maybe that wasn't that long ago that this happened. You see, it was almost one year ago today that my family and I took the final step to say we are done with the church that I was leading in Iron Mountain, Michigan. That was a difficult, very difficult decision. It wasn't one that came overnight, we're going to choose this thing. It was a process that we wrestled through, and I sweated at night through. It was tough. You see, that is stress. Some studies show that up to one out of every three people suffer from anxiety. One out of every three people. So I'm going to ask you to do something. Maybe this is a little weird in church, but that's okay. I like weird church. All right? So what I'm going to ask you to do is just take a quick look to the person to your left and to your right, and hopefully you're actually going to see each other's eyes, okay? Now, now, either the person to your right, the person to your left, or you are struggling with anxiety, Like, it's not just something that happens once in a while. It's like a struggle, daily struggle. That's what scientists say. And maybe there's others that would say that it's more or less. I don't know. That was one study that I found. See, they're finding out something, and they're discovering things and bringing them out today. The scientists are telling us that there's this connection between what we think and what we feel and what we do. What we think, what we feel, and how we act are all connected. And they're telling us these things now. You see, when we think something, it causes us to feel something. Thinking about this stressful situation, it might cause a pit in the stomach. It might cause this sweats to begin, even as we're talking in church. It causes us then in that feeling to act oftentimes negatively toward others, at work or at home. And the more we think about something, honestly, the easier it is to think about. It's kind of like this. Have you ever been walking through the woods in, in like blazing a trail, no one else has been through here, and all of a sudden there's this path? You ever seen that? There's just this path. 
And, and you know, because you're maybe an outdoors person, you know that that didn't happen on its own. It probably happened with deer, right? Yeah. And usually that's where you set your stand up, right near the path, because you know they've started that path, they're going to keep going through that path. You see, that path happened because they kept walking through that same direction, and as they kept making that path happen, it wore everything down, everything else around it grew, and it created this nice central location. Scientists are saying that what happens to us when we think something, it's like walking a path through our brain. And the more you think something, the more that path is worn down, and the easier it is to think it. All right. Now we're going to get to the Bible. This all relates, okay? Hang on, hang on. So we have this deer path of the woods within our brain as we think about it, and that has to do with even with our stress. So what do you do when, you're, when you find yourself very stressed out? Usually we have a routine. We end up finding ourselves doing something because we have to do something to relieve some of that stress. What I found when I was stressed out and we had our house, I found myself cleaning the kitchen. I'm not much of a cleaning guy, but I was cleaning the kitchen. If, if you knew this, the, the kitchen was spotless, you would know that Jesse's stressed out, right? Or Angie did, she always does a great job. She's such a great cleaner. I'm cleaning this thing because I'm stressed out, and they know it. They know it. What do you do? Maybe you clean. Maybe you have to sleep a lot. Typically, it's an eight-hour day, but if you have to sleep 10, 11, 12 hours, you know that you're stressed out. Maybe you just react by eating. Eat the stress away. Your, your mental to your heart and into your body is now doing something. Maybe you drink the stress away. Maybe you play the stress away. What do you do to relieve some of that stress? You see, here's the thing, is that when I cleaned that kitchen, it was a temporary fix. It was very temporary because as soon as I was done, I still had the stress, and now I have a clean kitchen, but I don't know what to do with the rest of the stress. There's still more that has to happen. And so I have to go back to it in order to bring more relief. What if I told you that there is a better way? There's a better way to relieve the stress. And what if I told you that the Bible already affirms what scientists are telling us. We're going to find out a couple of these verses right now. I want to ask you to, maybe you know these verses because they were Sunday school verses that you've learned, but maybe not thought through them this way. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I want you to be thinking about where it talks about the mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this, Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Transformation in a Christ follower starts in the mind, not in the hands. It starts in the mind, not in the heart. It starts in the mind. And, and God knows this, and Paul was teaching this in the book of Romans. He was teaching us this one thing. You see, the world does what it always does. It's going to go through the same patterns it's always done, and not much relief. God is saying, I want you to transform your life through the power of Christ in your life by changing your thinking. Next, in Matthew chapter 15, Jesus is teaching his disciples. They're like, Jesus, these guys are, are telling us we can eat anything, and we can't eat anything because they might defile us, which prevents us from a relationship with God. And Jesus is telling them, it's not what you eat that defiles you. 
Matthew 15, 18, 18 and 19 says this. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart and defiles the person. For out of the heart, catch this, come evil thoughts. See, Jesus is telling us that it isn't the mouth that defiles you. It starts much deeper than that. It's the heart and the mind. Jesus connects those things for us. You know, oftentimes I hear parents telling kids, don't say that, right? Don't say those words because they're bad words. What would happen if we, rather than going to the words that's coming out of their mouth, what if we said, kids, I want to know what's in your heart and I want to have you change your thinking? Because when you change the thinking, you change the heart and then something different comes out of the mouth. Maybe we need to change the way we teach our kids. Last verse to affirm this. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. 2 Corinthians 5, 10, verse 5. says this is Paul. Again, he wrote Philippians. He wrote Corinthians. And he's writing this letter to the Corinthian church. And this is a powerful, powerful verse. He's telling the Corinthian church this. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And listen to this. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Wow. Sounds forceful. Sounds powerful. If only there was a way to change our thinking and reduce our stress. How many of you are feeling the stress right now? Yeah, I, I think so. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. There is a better way. Philippians chapter 4, Paul, again, is writing this letter to the Philippian church, a group of people not unlike yourselves. He's writing a letter. He's in prison in Rome, writing this letter to the Philippian church, saying, this is how I want to teach you as you're going. He's giving this letter to them, and they're reading it aloud, and the, the pastor is reading it. The pastor is Timothy, who we have our books of Timothy. Those are letters to him as well. And he gives us a prescription of what to do with this stress. He prescribes it like a good doctor to tell us how to overcome these challenges. Who's in favor here of getting control of our anxiety? You in favor of that? Yeah, that's right. We, you can do a little hand raise. It's okay. Little hand raise, that's right. I know it's a little weird in church to raise your hand, that's okay. I'm in favor. All right, so let's go to Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to be reading through verses 4 through 9, but if you were to do this on your own time, read before that, start at the beginning of chapter 4, you'll find that, that Paul is telling Timothy that there's these two ladies in the church that are causing this frustration. You ever had tension in church before? I've had tension in church before. And usually you can tell kind of who it is that the tension is coming from. He's like Paul. He's telling Timothy, Timothy, there's these two ladies that have this conflict going on in church and it's not helpful. I need you, Timothy, to go and take care of this conflict and make it right. Do what you can for the sake of everybody. I wonder if Paul knew whether or not Timothy had trouble confronting difficult issues. Because right after he's done telling Timothy, I need you to go and make this right between these two ladies. As a good pastor of that church, 
Here's what he says in verse 4, 4 and 5. He says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Now, I'm reading out of the NLT. I like the NLT simply because I can understand it. I like understanding what the Bible says. So that's why I choose that. He's saying, Timothy, be gentle to these people. Be gentle to these people who are causing this stress because there are others within the church that are watching. Be gentle. Be considerate because others are watching what you're doing. You see, Paul in those verses tell Timothy two things. And if you are a note taker, this was one thing that just like, boom, wow, hit me. And if you, this, if you get nothing else out of this, I want to encourage you to write this down. Two things that he's telling Timothy. He says this, your inner attitude does not have to reflect your outward circumstance. Allow me to say that again. Your inner attitude does not have to reflect your outward circumstance. See, Paul is telling all of us that regardless of what we are going through, whatever circumstance and trouble and decisions that are coming at us, it doesn't have to spill out onto everybody else. Second thing, that our stress is a matter of perspective. That's a matter of perspective. He said, the Lord is coming soon. Remember this, Timothy, that the Lord is coming soon. You see, here's what he's telling Timothy. If you have a big problem, then you have a small God. But Timothy, if you have a big God, you have a small problem. It's a matter of perspective. Verse 6. Paul continues, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for what He has done. This is the prescription that Paul gives that church on how to work through their worry. He says, don't worry. Well, I don't know, but when I hear that, it's kind of flippant, right? Oh, hey, don't worry. You ever talk to somebody about the challenges you have? And they're like, oh, don't worry. It's going to work out. It's going to be okay. Maybe that's your natural response to somebody that has trouble. Oh, don't worry. Just don't worry about it. It kind of seems what Paul is saying, but he goes deeper here. He says, don't worry. And then he says the word but. Or instead. Instead. The idea is, here's the direction of worry. And right now, Paul is saying, you're going this direction of worry. And this idea of but, or of instead of, is like flipping it over and going the other direction. Instead of going that direction, which is leading you down a path, I don't want you to go. I want you to flip the direction and go that way. Because that way is leading you nowhere except pain and struggle. And this is where I want you to go because I want your peace that is with God. I want you to go this way. Instead of that, I want you to go that. He says, but, or instead, I want you to pray. Now, I need to admit that I'm not an incredible prayer. 
Okay, I'm not. That's not something that just naturally outflows from me. But it says to pray. Maybe you don't know how to pray. What do you do when you pray? How do you talk? I just leave that to other people, right? That's not what Paul is saying. He's saying pray. What do we pray about? Well, he says everything. I looked up that Greek word that says that's translated everything because this originally was written in Greek and we're translating it into English. Originally, when Paul wrote that, everything meant everything, anything, all things, the big things, the little things, anything that weighs on your heart, bring it to God. Well, what does that look like? So two things. It's real super simple. Paul really concise, makes it concise for us. He says prayer is telling God what you need. Lord, I need this. Lord, I need this. I really feel I need this, Lord. But he couples that with something else. Thanking him. Thanking, Lord, I really need, I need a miracle here because I'm running out of cash, Father. I need you to do something because my health is ailing. But Lord, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for all that you have done. I see the many blessings you've given me, my family, my friends. You've given me a great church. You've given me so many things. I just want to say thank you. But I do have this request. I think we can do that. I think we can do that. Verse 7. Then, here's the result, and this is what we're getting at. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds everything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Who here is in favor of God's peace? All right, there's a little few more hands. We're getting used to this. We're getting used to this. I like it. I like it. You see, as we start to do things on our own, peace starts to happen. But that peace that we receive is really temporary. It's minimal. It's temporary. It's going to not last, that peace. You see, I would rather have exceeding peace than temporary peace. Paul is saying, I want you to have exceeding peace. You see, when we choose God's peace, we not only get through that anxiety, but we're protected into the future. Did you catch him saying that? He says that God's peace will will guard our hearts and our minds till the day of Christ Jesus. I I attribute it kind of like like armor all for the car. You know, armor all, you spray it on, you wipe it off. It not only cleans, but it protects right? That's what the armor all does. It's like spiritual armor all. When we're praying to the Lord and thanking him for what he's done, there's this peace that comes over us now, but there's a protection that happens to us later. That, that the things don't quite bother us quite as much as they used to. We have this ability to go through the struggle because we know that God's peace is there. Now, I recognize there may be some here that have never said yes to Jesus, never said yes to trusting him with our lives, because that is the most important thing. And you will receive some peace by just making your own peace. But if you want exceeding peace, say yes to Jesus. You will find exceeding peace. It's like the flu shot of peace, right? Choose Jesus to guide your life. And you can make that choice today simply by saying, I give up. I'm yours. Simple prayer, God hears. Verse 8. Everybody with me? All right. Still with me? Good. We're, we're doing well. Verse 8. And now, 
Paul is continuing, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. This is, I'm going to wrap this thing up, he says. I want to give you this last little bit of information, and I want you to hear from me. Fix your thoughts. Catch that? I want you to circle that in your Bible. If you have a Bible that you have, you open up with pages, circle that. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You see what Paul is doing. You see his, his, his plan and his intention for all of us. He's trying to shut down those deer trails that we've created in our lives and our minds and, and having us create different paths for our, our thoughts to run on. He's, he's saying, this is the path that you used to take in worry and fear and up all night. And I want you to take this path, which is thinking about things that are true and pure and honorable and right, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. We're given new paths for these thoughts to run on. Finally, verse 9. Paul says, keep putting into practice all that you learned. And received from me everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then, this is where we wanted to be, right? Then the God of peace will be with you. I want God's peace. I trust you want God's peace. See, what I love about Paul is that he's not just telling us what to do. He's showing us what to do. See, what we don't get is that Paul, as I said before, was writing this in a Roman prison. He was anticipating his death, his murder, which is coming very soon. He's not in a glorious prison watching, you know, TV and playing hangman with neighbors. He knows what it's like to live in difficult times. And he's telling them, I know what it takes to live in difficult times. And if I can do it, do it. Follow me. Listen to me and do what I do, he says. Listen to me and do what I do. So if I were to ask you how well you control your anxiety, how would you respond? So what might keep you from trying Paul's prescription? What might prevent you from saying, I'm willing to step into this? Well, the reality is it might be a fear of change. I've lived this long for this long, and I've done it this way for so long. Why would I want to do anything? It's, it, I don't want to change because that's so foreign to me. Maybe it's just a lack of confidence. Boy, I don't know that I could, I could, I don't know that I could actually fulfill this thing. I don't know that I could actually do it. That's it's kind of scary to, to step into. You know what? Maybe it's a, lot, a fear of failure. If I go into this full bore and I end up messing up and it's, I got stress again and I don't know how to deal with it and I'm kind of in the same place, I might as well not even start. What if you took that fear and like 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, you intentionally took control of that and you forced it to the obedience of Christ. I will not be afraid because Christ promises his peace. I will not fail and I will not be afraid to fail 
Because if I do, Jesus is right there waiting for me. I'd like you to dream with me for a moment. What would life look like in your realm if you decided to take this to heart and actually started to do it? What would it look like if it became a normal practice? How much sleep might you get at night? How would it positively affect your most direct relationships? What if you doing this actually was a good example for those coming up behind you? Your kids, your grandkids, nieces, nephews, neighbor kids. And they're to look at you and say, I want your peace. How do I do that? What if peace was actually attainable? See, I believe that putting these practices, these, these principles into practice can change your life. They've done so to mine. This is one verse that I was challenged back years ago to memorize because this wise mentor of mine said, you're going to need this in your life and others are going to need it in theirs. So I memorized this passage over and over and over And I wake up at night with those sweats and I say, Lord, I don't want this. I need your peace. Lord, this is what I need. I need, I thank you. There have been times where within minutes I'm back out. But it's still something I'm wrestling through. I'm figuring out. I'm working through this. It's a process. But I know my heart, when I feel that stress, I go right to this passage. I got to focus on what's true and honorable and right and noble. I've got to do that because that's what he says will work. And I believe it to be true. You see, trusting Jesus in this way can improve your home life. It can transform your work life. It can benefit your family. It can encourage your friends. The reality is, all of this can happen if you decide to change your mind. Would you pray with me? Father, um, sometimes I hate preaching this passage because there's plenty of stress in my life that uh, I realize that I haven't given to you. And you remind me of those things, but Lord, I do want to say thank you. I do want to say thank you because it is in your gentleness, in your goodness, in your kindness that you show me these things. And Lord, uh, we are in this room with a lot of people that have different ideas of what brings stress. We have different things that have kept us up at night, different things that make our hearts race. Lord, I don't know what they are, but you do. Lord, you are a tender, tender Father that loves us deeply. And so Lord, I pray that you help us. As that stress rises, help us to identify it. And I ask, Lord, that you help us to give our need to you. That we thank you for what you've done. And we begin thinking differently. I ask, Lord, that you help us to change our minds. In Jesus' name, everybody said
That's got to be one of my favorite passages. Thank you. That was um, good to hear. And you know what? Maybe we should change our music, too. I just had a thought. Uh, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Paul says that at the start of the passage you preached. He's in prison. Things are falling apart, but yet he had peace that passed understanding. And we can rejoice even right now while we're in here today. And maybe some of you know the, the round. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Right? Is that familiar to people? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I think it's just DNA. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Let's sing that round together. Shall we stand? And, okay, we'll do this. You side, these two sides are with me, and you two sides are with them, and maybe we can see who sings the loudest. And we can rejoice together. Should we try it? Okay, so we'll start, and then when we go to the B part of the song, you guys start. You got it? Good. This is like camp. Here we go. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice. Yes, when we do rejoice in the Lord always, you guys should have been doing rejoice. When I start second half, right after. Okay, let's just try it again from the top. Here we go. Remember, but it says make a joyful noise unto the Lord. It doesn't need to be entirely together all the time. This is okay. The point is we should rejoice. So let's do that. Here we go. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone, including the worship team. Yes. <laughs> Very reasonable. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, uh, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And his peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for giving us something to rejoice in. Thankful to you, Lord, for giving us something to hope in. There's so much darkness and there's so much evil to get us down in our days, Lord. So we give you thanks and praise 
for giving us something to hope in. Let us go from here to love and serve you in the midst of that hope. And it's in Christ's name that we ask this. Amen.